0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions.
1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Joining us via Skype and our guest, Catherine Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. Good morning, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz, and it's wonderful to have uh, Katie on this morning. Uh, She is a senior associate, as you mentioned, at um, the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. And so we have all all parts of the state represented today, Uh, me in North Mississippi, you in Jackson, and Katie's down in uh, Biloxi. But it's a great show and an important show because she'll be talking about uh, child custody and third-party, typically grandparental rights. So uh, welcome to the show, Katie.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And if you could just tell us a little bit about your practice areas and why you chose family law.
3: Sure. So I began working with Seymour Law Firm a few months ago, um, probably about six or seven months ago. And family law is just something that I've always been interested in. I've had a little experience with it. When I was in law school, I worked at Mission First Legal Aid Clinic, which is a um, nonprofit-based organization in Jackson, which catered to the lower-income community. And one of the main things that we provided was family law assistance, domestic relations, you know, child custody, and things of that nature. So I knew going into the Seymour Law Firm that that could be something you know, that I could contribute to since I had a little bit of experience with it. And um, since I've started with Seymour Law Firm, I, you know, just tried to fill the need because family law is just something that we we do calls every day with people um, having family law issues. So, you know, I just tried to jump in and fill
1: The working at the nonprofit legal clinic certainly seems like a fabulous way to give back to the community, and also a way for families and those in need to uh, receive their their legal assistance. Uh, what is the is the clinic still uh, in work in in operation where you worked before?
3: Yes, I believe it is. It was run by um, Patty Gandy, who was an adjunct professor, professor at Mississippi College School of Law in Jackson. I believe it is headed by another person right now, um, but I believe they're still operational, um, and, you know, they do fabulous work because otherwise, you know, this is some legal assistance that people otherwise would not have access to. So what they do is really, really important.
2: Well, that's wonderful. And um, well, let's let's talk a little bit now about child custody. And and so, you know, what is what is child custody? I know uh, in Florida where I'm also a member of the bar in Florida, I should say. And and, um, I in Florida, uh, they talk about shared parental responsibility rather than custody. And in Mississippi, uh, the courts still look at custody. So what what is custody exactly?
3: So child custody in Mississippi is kind of a two pronged deal. Um, There's physical custody, which refers basically to where the child lives, you know, which parent and which kind of situation they have, whether one parent has primary physical custody, which means that the child lives with one parent for the majority of the time, and the other parent can have visitation, which is usually like one or two weekends a month. And then the other prong is legal custody, which refers to the decision-making authority regarding the child's health, education. Uh, General welfare, just the important life decisions of the child. So those are the two prongs of child custody in Mississippi. And this can either go to one parent or both parents, which is referred to as joint custody, or it can go to a third party, such as a grandparent in some circumstances.
1: This morning, we're talking about family law, child custody, grandparent rights with our guest, Katie Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm. If you have a question, we would love for you to give us a call. Our number is 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Katie, what do the courts look at in, in determining custody?
3: So the overarching consideration that a judge will consider look at when determining child custody is the best interest of the child. And that's the overarching consideration. And when they're looking at the best interest of the child, they look at the Albright factors. And the Albright factors come from a Mississippi case, Albright v. Albright, and it it lays out some factors that the judges should consider, such as the age of the child, the health and sex of the child, which parent had continuity of care of the child prior to the separation, basically, which parent took over the most responsibility prior to the divorce or separation, which parent has the best parenting skills, um, which parent is... um, more willing and more capable of providing primary care. Um, They look at the employment and the employment responsibilities of each parent, you know, which parent um, is going to be there to be able to get the child, you know, if one parent has crazy work schedule hours. They will also look at the physical and mental health of the parents. They'll look at the emotional ties between the parent and child, you know, the closeness in the relationship. Um, They'll look at the moral fitness of the parent. Um, They'll also consider the preference of the child if the child is 12 or older. Um, And then they'll look at the stability of the home and the home record and the community and school record of the child. And they'll also consider other factors. That's not an exhaustive list. It's just a general list laid out in that case. And then, of course, as I mentioned, the overarching consideration
4: is the best interest of the child.
2: So when they talk about best interest of child, what, you mentioned the, the, the list that uh, the courts look at in Mississippi they must look at and the Albright factors. But okay, So what would some of those other factors be that, you, that you've seen that they might consider uh, in determining whether uh, the child is more suitable to be with one parent or the other?
3: So some of the other factors that can come into play, um, you know, are which parent is just going to be able to take care of the child in the best way. If you know they have a crazy work schedule, such you know, like if they're deployed in the military for months on end, then obviously custody is going to go to the other parent. And it's not really about which parent can provide best, but if one parent's more available and it's going to be in the best interest of the child to be with that parent.
2: Have you ever seen a situation? I mean, what if the parents have uh, different religious backgrounds? Does that come into play, or uh, could that come into play?
5: Um, I
3: guess it could come into play. I've never personally um, seen anything with religious um, experiences, you know, if the child is doing well going to church and then the other chi- and then the other parent just doesn't, you know, either go to that church or the child really isn't um, enjoying going to that church and it's having some sort of detrimental effect on the child, um, then a court would likely consider that. Again, the overarching consideration being what's in the best interest of the child that makes
1: sense we're talking about uh, child custody family law grandparents rights we'd love to take your call and we have a call right now from Charlie in Laurel Charlie thanks for calling into in legal terms go ahead
6: thank you Uh, have one thing I'd like for you to discuss after uh, hang up and that is the lack of protections for children under age of three in the state of Mississippi But, I would like to also comment, I question what's in the best interest of the child. Uh, Last Friday, based on a telephone call in which uh, evidence, which is not even admissible in court, which was presented uh, with a telephone call of the Chancery Court and a GAL, my daughter's child was removed from her and has been granted temporary custody to the father who has been under two protective orders since December as a result of uh, what is alleged abuse. So uh, I'd like to and with no hearing. I'd like to hear your comments on that.
1: Thanks for calling in, Charlie. Um, Katie Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm in
3: Biloxi. What is a GAL? A guardian ad litem is a court-appointed attorney, and they are basically the attorney for the child. They don't represent the parents. They don't represent the guardians on either side. They are just looking out for the best interest of the child, and... You know, they do home studies. They conduct interviews with all parties, basically, who have access to the child. They conduct interviews with the child and try to get um, a good feel of the situation, a good feel of the home life, what the child's going through. If there's allegations of abuse or neglect, you know, they will make the home visits and they will make those determinations um, and considering what the best interest of the child is. And then they will make a report, um, either written or oral, and they will give it to the judge at um, the appropriate hearing at the appropriate time.
1: If a, for example, if an incident was reported to the court about a child in a custody dispute, is there much investigation? Do they do they take any reports? As uh, as the truth, how, how are those investigated?
3: Do you mean by a guardian of item or possibly by police or other authority?
1: Um, anyway.
3: Well, if it is an allegation of, um, you know, abuse or neglect, then, you know, either DHS or CPS can get involved um, first and foremost, and they can make the determination probably quicker than a guardian ad litem in a court could to, you know, get the child out of there. And then afterwards, a guardian ad litem, once there's a court date in, in place and everyone has been provided notice, then the guardian ad litem will go back and, and make her report and recommendation. But if it's a very serious allegation, generally, I, you know, the police and child protective services, DHS would intervene first.
1: All right, we're going to continue our discussion of family law after the break. If you have a question about the laws concerning divorce, custody, grandparents' rights, we'd love for you to call us one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email to legal terms at mpbonline.org how frequent are multi-generational households we'll tell you when we come back from the break you're listening to in legal terms on mpb think radio
0: listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
1: Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the show at mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms. We have also covered family law on some previous episodes, November 13th, twenty eighteen and april seventeenth, twenty eighteen. You can find them at mpbonline.org slash in legal terms. They're also available on the MPB Public Media app. As are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. According to the U.S. Census, one in ten grandparents live in the same home as a grandchild. And in the majority of those households, the grandparent is the householder. This morning, we're talking about family law, divorce, child custody, grandparents' rights, with attorney Katie Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. Um, Katie, one more thing to get back to our previous caller, Charlie's question. Are there different uh, custody discussions or
3: protections if the child is under 3 if the child is under three that's usually considered um the tender tender age years where um typically the child is more is considered um you know of a tender age and therefore they will typically if it's possible give custody to the mother um you know there are special considerations um that a mother you know whether she's breastfeeding the child you know she would need to have custody of the child to take care of it um but other than that i'm not aware of any special considerations for children under three unless um unless i'm missing something
1: all right well we have a couple of phone calls to get to this morning sarah we're glad that you've called in from oxford you're on in legal terms go ahead please
7: Yes, um, I have an adult daughter and ex uh, son in law. They have an 11 year old son. They're divorced. My daughter suffered a traumatic brain injury uh, about 15 years ago and is now suffering some mental health issues. I was recently appointed conservator over my daughter. Because of those mental health issues, the city uh, judge.
1: Sarah, I think we, can you continue with your your question? You were appointed conservator over your adult daughter?
7: Yes. And what was your question? So my real question is, do I now as conservator have any additional rights regarding my grandson that I would not have been afforded just as a grandparent?
3: Katie, were you able to hear that question? it's It's really hard to hear. Could you repeat the question for me,
7: please? Yes. As the conservator of my adult daughter, who is the mother, do I now have any additional rights as a conservator that I would not have been afforded as a grandparent?
3: Sorry, Liz. Can you can you repeat the question for I me? I can. Sarah was talking forward.
1: about her adult daughter had a traumatic brain injury and had is now seeking some uh, mental health treatment. And Sarah is the conservator for her adult daughter. And Sarah Thank wondered you. if Sarah had any additional custody rights over the grandchild, the eleven year old grandson, other than just being a grandparent.
3: Well, if, Sarah, if Sarah's daughter has been adjudicated, you know, with a physical incapacity that makes her incapable of taking care of the child, then, you know, I would need to look at the conservatorship orders um, from the court, you know, hopefully they would have addressed it there, or, um, you know, if, if Sarah's daughter is unable to care for her child, then, you know, a third party should, you know, be able to come in at that point. Whether it be, I'm not sure what the situation is. If, if Sarah is married, um, if, and if Sarah is, if Sarah's daughter is married, then you know the husband would have custody of the child. And but you know, without more facts, I would, you know, I couldn't answer that fully without looking at everything.
2: Hey, Katie, I know we're going to get into this later, but there there even if there's she doesn't have custody rights, she may have visitation rights is that is that correct
3: yes that could be that could be correct. And
1: where are some ways that an individual could find out more about their legal rights? Uh, would it just be to employ a law firm? Are there, are there websites? Where can someone find out more information about what their custody rights may be for their specific situation?
3: Well, uh, you know, with everyone having their own specific situation, it would be best to contact a family law attorney and just get a consultation with them, you know, whether they've been involved in a court proceeding with child custody and visitation, or whether they're just looking for general information regarding their their rights and visitation rights. It would definitely be best to contact an experienced family law attorney.
1: And if you don't have one already, the Mississippi Bar, is that a specialty listed on their website?
3: Yes, I believe so. And if you're unable to afford the services of an attorney, there are several um, nonprofit and free services. Like I mentioned, if you're in the Jackson area, Mission First Legal Aid Clinic is a great place to go if you have questions. Um, also, on the coast, there's the Mississippi Center for Justice.
2: <coughs> and, and we have uh, the North Mississippi Rural Legal Services here in, in North Mississippi, and we've had them on the show before, and they provide a lot of service. So there's no no reason not to to try to find an attorney if you're in that situation. But Liz, there is a website uh, that the Mississippi Bar actually has. Um, there's it's uh, www.msbar.org, and I think uh, you know you can post this on the on the blog later. But it's uh, for public and consumer information, and they actually have some information about child custody. But I agree with Katie. You want to your each situation is different, so you gotta you gotta talk to somebody who will be able to handle your specific uh, problem.
1: All right, Sarah, well we hope that we helped you with that. If you have a question about family law, about divorce or maybe grandparents' rights, give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one 1- we realize everyone's situation is unique and they our attorneys will not be able to address your situation specifically but they can help you understand what the laws are regarding custody now we have donna who has called in from jackson mississippi donna thanks for calling in to in legal terms today go ahead
3: Thank you. I was uh, confused if grandparents actually do have rights in Mississippi or not. All right.
1: Uh, Katie, what are grandparents' rights in Mississippi?
3: Sure. Grandparents' rights are um, typically, you know, if one parent dies or one parent has their rights terminated, then a grandparent can step in and petition the court for grandparent's rights visitation. Um, Another situation that a grandparent can get grandparent's rights is when the parent is um, or both parents are unreasonably denying the grandparent their visitation with the child. And um, typically, in the second scenario, grandparent's Have to prove a few things to establish this visitation and that is um that first that they have a viable relationship with the grandchild and that the parent or custodian of that child is unreasonably denying the grandparent visitation with the child and then like i talked about earlier the overarching consideration in all child custody matters and visitation is that the visitation with the grandparent and grandchild is in the best interest of the child And um, what a viable relationship means basically is that the grandparent has, you know, in good faith and willingly provided financial support to the grandchild for, you know, not less than six months. And they've also had frequent visitation previously with the child, including overnight visits for a period of not less than a year. So, So, yes, in some circumstances, grandparents do have visitation rights, but it's usually in one of those categories that I mentioned. So a
1: lot of their uh, ongoing rights would depend on their past relationship with the child.
3: That is true. Um, or, you know, if it's in the first situation that I described, like one parent passes away or it's a divorce and one parent is given primary custody, then at that point the grandparent could petition for for rights, a visitation.
1: All right. We're talking with uh, Katie Shireman, Catherine Shireman, about family law. She's with the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll get to our other calls. Jessica and Lisa, hold on. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also send us an email. Legal Terms at mpbonline.org is our address. What's the divorce rate in Mississippi? We'll have that statistic when we come back. You're listening to in legal terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict. I downloaded it to my phone. Touched the plus that took me to the page to search for podcasts. Then I typed in in legal terms in the search area. It brought up in legal terms. I was able to touch the photo, then subscribe, and I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. According to the CDC, the divorce rate for Mississippi is. 2.9 per 1000 people which puts us tying with four other states for the 16th lowest rate this morning we're talking about family rights with our guest katherine shireman from the seymour law firm in biloxi and we do have a couple of calls on the line first we're going to go to jessica in lumberton jessica thank you for calling into in legal terms go ahead please
4: Yes um I have a friend that uh just got a divorce uh and uh, they have a, a daughter together. Uh she's 4 and um uh he he has uh supervised visitation uh with his parents being the supervised uh people. Um now uh, he uh drinks and all that stuff and uh, he was not allowed to drive with the daughter or be alone with the daughter without the parents there. Um, the last visit that, uh, I mean, he has a visit, but my, um, friend has, uh, custody and, uh, she was riding in the car with her daughter and her daughter just says out of the blue, um, My daddy got in a wreck and I hurt my leg. And so we know that he's driving with her without any supervision, probably drinking. That's why he had a wreck, but there's no evidence of it. She's only four. And my friend is afraid that because there's no evidence that something bad is gonna happen. Um, So what can she do
5: to pursue this?
4: So, Katie, uh, Lisa was talking
1: about um, the husband of a friend has supervised visitation, but apparently is those rules are not being followed. What happens when rules aren 't being followed for supervised visitations?
3: Well, one thing the parent can do who has uh, primary custody is hire an attorney and Um, get them to file a motion for contempt um, and basically cite the grounds that are not being followed in the child custody papers, such as, you know, not driving um, unsupervised with the child. And, you know, the court would have to just take testimony. And if the only evidence that you have is, you know, what your child is telling you and, you know, you believe that the child, you know, is either exhibiting signs of, you know, they have Bruises on their legs, or you know they've been to a hospital to be to be treated for whatever injuries. Um, you know, and then the supervisors would also need to be at that hearing, and they would have to testify as to you know whether during the visitation period if they were if they were actually there or not.
4: But okay. if there's an emergency um, situation the thing is, going on um, during those for and I would the only evidence we have is an what emergency she says. So, and, um, uh, giving uh, the
3: suggestion, Jessica, if care. you
4: could
1: hold on just a moment, Katie is trying to uh, address the, the question. Katie, can you repeat
3: that, please? Yes, I was saying that if it's an emergency situation where the child's um, life is, you know, in danger at that moment, I would go ahead and request an emergency hearing to get in quicker to see the judge and, you know, give them the facts and circumstances of why, you know, during the supervised visitation, the child is in danger due to the fact that the parent is not following um, the orders of the court or, you know, they're drinking and driving with the child in the car and things of that nature.
4: Now, do do we have to wait until she gets hurt? Because... she said she hurt her leg, but you know they didn't take her to the doctor or anything like that. So do no, we have I to wait until, she waiting gets hurt? until
3: she's hurt? If she is saying that you know dad is is drinking and driving while I'm in the car, then that's that's an emergency situation that the court would need to be notified of immediately to get that
4: remedied and get
3: that visitation modified.
4: Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for calling in, Jessica.
4: Bye bye.
1: We have another call. We'd like to go to Lisa in Clinton. Lisa, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. Go
5: ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm calling because I I need some um, advice about a paternity test I was taking. Um, me and my my ex we um we weren't married, but um I had a child he did not sign the birth certificate at birth years later he decided he wanted her to have his last name so we um did a sent the papers in and had the birth certificate changed to his name okay we had sent him we had separated and um i was trying to get him to help me with her so i put him on the child support and he said that the child wasn't his so he um, one of the tests well the test come back the child is not his so my situation now is he claims he can take me to court and he thinks he still has some right to her and um uh, I, I just need to know you know what i need to do and what does he have right
1: katie were you able to hear that question i was able to hear i think a, a, a little bit of it um I believe hey, Lisa not- w- was saying um, uh, if an individual is part of a child's life, but then it turns out from a paternity test that they're not uh, uh, the, the parent, do they still have rights?
3: Um in certain situations they they can still have obligations and rights if even if you know the paternity test comes back uh, and it turns out that they're not the father if at the time the child was born they signed the birth certificate they signed you know either an affidavit of paternity and then they they care for the child they acted you know as a part of the child's life for You know a significant period of time they developed a relationship they acted as a parent then they could still be obligated to support and care for that child um and then they would also have have certain rights that go along with that um i would need a little more information you know regarding you know whether he was adjudicated the father um or if you know what sort of arrangement
5: was going on there well, what what we did was had the um, birth certificate changed the name, and it was um, a form filled out by the Notary Public and then sent into to the state, vital's record.
3: Now, did he, did, was paternity ever established by a court, or did he sign the birth certificate or an affidavit of paternity at the time the child was
5: born? Not when she was born. This was months later. Years later, he decided that he wanted her to have his name, and both of us all along thinking that the child was his, and then when um, when it came down, we separated, when it came down time for him to, to pay child support, he told the DHS that he wanted the test, so the test come back that he was not the mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, it, it just
3: depends on your particular situation. and if, But if he was acting as the father and if he, you know, went as far as to sign an affidavit stating that he was the father or um, signing the birth certificate stating that he was the father and acted as the father thereafter, then
5: he could still be obligated. Okay, what do I, what is my next move, Anne?
3: So, did the court intervene to take the paternity test, or did he do that voluntarily?
5: He volunteered. Um, it's either it's either with him, he was going to pay child support starting that day, or if he denied the child, it just it just prolonged the child support. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would definitely
3: contact a family law attorney. And give them you know all of the facts and you know in your situation and see what they think is the best course of action I you know I would think that filing something with the court stating that um, listing the facts and circumstances of the relationship between the father or the alleged father and the child in their relationship and his obligation to provide support because he's acted as the father for such a long period of time okay
5: all right thank you
1: thank you lisa we're uh, happy that you were able to uh, call and participate with us today
2: katie uh you know one one question to you it, it, is it when does a someone lose their parental rights i mean, and could. The person in that uh, last circumstance, I know you don't know all the, all the facts and neither do we, but could he give up his parental rights? Is there a way a parent could say, I, you know, I, I maybe I've been treated as a parent, but I don't want my rights or obligations. How does that work? How does someone lose custody? How do they lose their parental rights?
3: Well, there's a few ways. Um, either, you know, like you said, in that situation, they can voluntarily give up their parental rights. And that just, um, you know, that's a... A court document that they will just sign and basically state that they wish to sever the relationship between the child and the parent and um so that's voluntary and then there's also involuntary um when parental rights are terminated and that's a very serious action that the court takes um or you know there are temporary custody orders which can either place custody of the child with the state or another person if the parent or you know, both parents uh, going through a situation that it looks like reunification is going to be possible in the end, but termination is a permanent situation, um, and there are certain situations that would cause a parent to lose custody, and some of those are mental illness that's not likely to be cured in any. Any perceived future, a physical incapacity that renders the parent unable to care for the child, um, alcohol or drug abuse. Um, If the parent has abandoned the child for a long period of time, leaving them in the custody of someone else, that's grounds for uh, termination of parental rights. If the child is being neglected or abused, Um, and some other situations, if the parent has been convicted of a sort of Um, sexual abuse, crime against a child, any child. It doesn't have to be their child. Or if the parent is convicted of murder or one of the lesser included offenses to murder, those are all situations when a parent could um, lose their their parental rights.
1: All right. We need to take our next break. We'd love for our listeners to be a part of our show. Our phone number is one 877 672 7464. You can also send us an email legalterms at mpbonline.org Our guest today is Katie Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. We are talking about family law, divorce, child custody, grandparents' rights. Where could a mother or father get information about child support? We'll tell you when we come back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
1: This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms. Professor Richard Gershen is our expert. He's a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Our guest today is Katie Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm in Biloxi. We're talking about family law, family rights right now, and we have a call that we're going to get to. It's Tim and Mobile. Tim, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. Go ahead, please.
8: Hi. Well, my question isn't about uh, family law, uh, but maybe I can, can run this over real quick and get back to the subject. I was running an errand for my employer and in my personal vehicle and backed into a a telephone pole accidentally, of course, did quite a bit of damage to my new car. Uh, My insurance won't cover it, Um, and my employer says... No, that's not our fault. We're not responsible for that. But everything I can read online seems to indicate
2: that, yes, they would be. Can you guys clarify? Well, there there is a doctrine in tort law, and you know, again, I can't be specific about your employment situation and what your contract might say and what their insurance might say. But I know, for example, when I travel for the University of Mississippi, I have to get a travel authorization that says that I am traveling for uh, my employer, and in that case, uh, anything any accidents that I would cause while I was in that. Uh, that position, uh, doing something on behalf of my employer, would be covered by my employer's insurance. That's you know that's a specific situation, uh, and I do think you would have to check the, with the insurance company of, of your employer. I mean, certainly, you know, there's a as long as you weren't out uh, and drinking and doing, going off on what they call a frolic of your own. Typically, the employer is responsible for the actions of their employees while they're in the act of employment all right and this doesn't
8: just include like damages to someone else's vehicle because it was a single
2: car situation so it wouldn't be just my automobile it, it really shouldn't matter i mean that's uh but again that's i i don't know your specific situation i don't know what the circumstances were but typically speaking if you're doing something on behalf for example if i'm if i'm uh, driving a Uh, A delivery truck, uh, or I'm I'm delivering for a pizza uh, place, you know, it's certainly there, you know, they could be responsible if I have an accident while I'm I'm doing pizza delivery. Uh, That's why Domino's went away from their 30 minutes or less guarantee, because they were having so many accidents uh, with drivers trying to get there uh, before the, the 30 minutes. So, I mean, they had to change their policy. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And this kind of
8: reinforces what what I had been able to uh, um, find online. And um, I think the, the only way I'm going to get my money is if I sue them in small claims court. But Alabama being, you know, pretty much a right-to-work state, yes, I win that money, and then the next day I'm out of a job. So so there is that. But I just kind of wanted some some, some more information. Thank you so much certainly
1: thanks for calling in today Tim we just have a few minutes left uh, Katie we've been talking about family law today let's, let's get to one thing that we hope but doesn't happen but I'm sure does is a ground for revocation of custody could be parents rights is neglect tell us about what neglect means and what is medical neglect
3: Sure. So medical er, neglect is um, something that occurs to a child when the parent um, is unwilling or incapable, refuses to provide the necessary care for the child, basically meaning the necessities of life uh, food, shelter, clothing. Um, and medical care, so a branch of neglect is medical neglect, and that's um, when the parent is unwilling or incapable, incapable of providing the necessary medical treatment a child needs. Um, uh, you know, one case would be possibly uh, refusing to give a blood transfusion um, to save the child's life during surgery, um, failing to treat a broken bone. Um, and then the, you know, phone heals incorrectly after that. Situations like that.
2: You know, uh, Katie, it's, it's interesting. We, I am coaching a family law moot court team that will be going to Albany, New York at the end of next week. And the, the issues are uh, parental uh, neglect uh, from an emotional issue of the child and then grandparent uh, visitation. So, you know, these are, these are uh, you know, very interesting and important topics. Good morning.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Definitely, and, and I've read that um, I know a hot topic around the country is um, vaccination and, and vaccinating your children, and that, interestingly enough, is not, that, that does not rise to the level of medical neglect, choosing to not vaccinate your children.
2: You know there are some states that are talking about making it uh, uh, medical mm-hmm. neglect, and that would be interesting especially after the outbreak of measles in Oregon and places like that so right really interesting topic
3: definitely I'm interested to see how that develops
2: absolutely well you know it, speaking you know the, we talk about visitation and one of the uh, callers talked about grandparent visitation uh, and you mentioned how grandparents could uh, could establish visitation rights. But um, what about other third parties? Do could there be any other third parties that you know that aren't parents who might be able to establish visitation rights? Or, you know, other than grandparents?
3: Certainly, and um, grandparents don't have any other don't have any more special rights than another relative to the child. Um, it's just the overarching consideration, like I've said time and time again, is if it's in the best interest of the child. If the If the third party has a special relationship with the child, has, you know, provided support to them, um, you know, and if the parent is, if their rights have been terminated and, you know, there are no grandparents alive, then obviously, you know, custody would go to a different relative at that point.
2: And that makes sense. You do hear about people whose uh, aunts have taken care of them uh, and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting because the moot the, uh, court problem is a situation where the parents' position on how to take care of the child's emotional and, and mental health issues differs from that of the grandparents. And so the parents have prevented the grandparents from visiting. And it's really uh, an interesting question and, you know, one that I'm sure does happen uh, and you might have seen in your practice. Definitely mm-hmm. so I mean, is there something you, know, you, you we don't have a lot of time left, and I just think you know if, if, is there something you would like to say uh, to potential clients about their approach to uh, child custody and visitation? I mean, one thing that it seems to me that some states are doing is making parents take mandatory uh, child um, Classes, uh, you know, when they're getting divorced so that they understand that they really should both act in the best interest of the child. I mean, is there something that you would want to tell them uh, when they come to your office?
3: Yes. Um, you know, I always try to tell clients and you know usually situations like divorce and and things like that in child custody it's really emotionally charged i just try to advise them you know i know that you're mad maybe at the other person but try to put your child first try to put their best interest first because that's what the court's going to do anyway so um, the court can order them to attend um, child rearing classes communication classes i think all of these are great options and great resources that that the court can provide to parents who are going through a divorce and and, you know communication is always a struggle so I think that if if those options are available and if they're not maybe seek them out for yourself counseling um, these are all all good things and um, you know they're going to definitely be a positive impact on a situation that can sometimes be really negative
1: Katherine Shireman from the Seymour Law Firm. We've been so pleased to have you on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. We'll have a link to your law firm on our website. And is, uh, when we've talked to people from your firm before, often there have been, uh, you have provided
3: informational sessions. Do you still do that? Yes, we do. Um, I believe we have one. Coming up about what happens when your child turns 18, Um, our managing attorney, Tina Seymour de often holds these seminars um, about various legal topics. We just recently had one about um, landlord-tenant rights. Well, fantastic. We'll put a link to that and some of those dates
1: up there. So that's going to wrap us up. Our call screener for today has been Michelle McAdoo, and our board engineer has been Jay White. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll stay tuned for Southern Remedy. It's This Is in Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.